This is the On The Banks podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Lance Glenn. Hello, everyone. I am, of course, your host, Lance Glynn, and this is episode 16 of the On The Banks podcast. If you don't already, you can follow me on Twitter at Lance underscore G11, and you can follow On The Banks on Twitter as well at OTB underscore SB Nation. If you want to listen to any of our previous episodes, you can find them on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Just search On The Banks podcast. You can find them on SoundCloud. Just search OTB underscore SB Nation. And, of course, you can find them by going to onthebanks.com. With fall sports underway and the winter season soon beginning, make sure to get all your coverage for every Rutgers sport at onthebanks.com. I will be joined by national recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports, Brian Doan, in a little bit. But first, I want to talk about this week's game at highpoint.com stadium against Lovey Smith and Illinois. You know, last week, Indiana, Rutgers seems to have turned a corner. Art looked more comfortable through the air. The defense, they shut down the Hoosiers in the second half. And the team overall looked as though it was playing with some more confidence. You know, these are all, however, moral victories. And while moral victories are great, you need to build off of them. Now, Rutgers has fallen into this moral victory kind of trap before. You know, you look at last year, the first game of the season against the Washington Huskies. A ranked team, Rutgers plays them hard looks competent offensively, the defense plays well, and they put up a fight, and they rightfully drew praise for it. Those in that season were the moral victories, playing hard against a a very talented team. The next week, however, last year, they lose to Mac opponent Eastern Michigan, and those moral victories, they all disappeared. And the Washington game really, after that Eastern Michigan game, meant nothing. What happened against Indiana will mean nothing if the Scarlet Knights do not build off of the progress and show confidence and ability against the Fighting Illini. They beat Illinois last year on the road, and now they have them favorably at home. If Rutgers truly wants to turn a corner, go out this weekend and win. Not another close game, not another close loss. Go out there and win the game. Doesn't matter how, doesn't matter what the score is, stop this losing streak and go out and beat a team that you match up well against. Change the narrative currently surrounding this program and make it so that at 3.30 on Saturday, the game ends with Rutgers' second victory of the season. Now, let's talk to the reporters. Here's your host, Lance Glenn. Recruiting is incredibly fluid and commits can really happen at any moment. To talk about Rutgers recruiting and how the Scarlet Knights sit with some of their top targets, I am now pleased to be joined by national recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports, Brian Doan. Brian, thanks so much for coming on the On the Banks podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on. So let's jump right into it. You know, this season obviously has not gone as planned for Rutgers sitting at 1-4. and four. From what you know, I guess what has kind of been the reaction from current commits and, unre- and uncommitted recruits to the team's slow start? Well, I think the first thing is they're surprised. You know, this was I, – I know at the beginning of training camp or early in training camp, Coach Chris Ash said the goal was to get to a bowl game. And, and I thought things would have to go well and a lot of things would have to break the right way for that to happen. And I thought, you know, five and seven was realistic. When you lose and get blown out at Kansas and when you get blown out at home by Buffalo, uh, it raises questions. And it's questions that the staff has to answer when they're talking to kids, whether it's commits 
or whether it's kids that they are recruiting. And, you know, in, in talking to both, you know, commits and, and guys being recruited, Rutgers is saying, hey, look, we're playing a lot of young guys. They're making mistakes, but they're learning and they're gaining experience. We still remain on track with rebuilding the program. So the question then becomes, do the commits and the recruits um, buy into it, or do they look the other way, or, or you know, and, and what do the people around them think? I, I think that all plays into it. But right now, there's there's questions and uncertainty. And, and from what you've heard, you know, has the staff, I guess, kind of been proactive in that? Have they, you know, really focused in seeing that, you know, the losses are, are piling up? Have they really focused in and, and made sure that those commits, they understand that, again, it is still a process that uh, the staff still believes that they're on track, that even though they are sitting one and four, uh, you know, better days are in the future. Does the staff seem, I guess, proactive with making sure that the commits and, again, the, the uncommitted targets, they, they understand that? Yeah, very much so. Um you know, after the Kansas loss, I spoke to a few kids maybe 48 hours later. You've got to give it time. And, you know, a lot of the staffs will make a lot of recruiting calls on Sunday night. Kids are home. Not a lot of homework. End of the weekend, you know, game plans are, you know, being put in for the next week. So Sunday night's a recruiting night. And they were, you know, in speaking with kids, that was the message. Rutgers was proactive in making sure they addressed it and not having any lingering questions. And it's funny, I was with Connor Greco, a kid out of uh, St. Joe's Montvale, on Friday night. This was before the Indiana game. And I said, well, you know, what are you hearing? He goes, look, they're just telling me that, you know, after the Kansas, there, there wasn't a lot of talk about it with him in particular, but after the Buffalo game, they said, look, we're playing young guys. It's going to help us in the future. But right now we're going through some, some rough patches. And they explained the difficulty sometimes of playing a true freshman quarterback, which – you know, for every kid at Georgia or at Alabama that plays as a true freshman quarterback, that's usually the anomaly. And so that's what they're talking about with recruits and just, you know, be patient. So it's going to come down, like I said, to how much these kids buy into what the coaches are saying and how much they trust the coaches. Now, I want to talk about the current committed class. You know, right now, I think rated 60th, according to 24-7, 12th in the Big Ten. Out of the kids committed right now, who in the class could you really see kind of shining? Who do you think could kind of make the biggest impact when they ultimately get to Rutgers? Well, I mean, there's always some tough comment with that because do you, do you mean right away? Do you mean, you know, down the line once they develop a little bit? I mean, you know, one of the kids I really like, you know, and, I, and I've seen pretty much all these kids live, um, I really like Donovan Bunch, the, the cornerback out of Winslow down in South Jersey. I think he's athletic. I think he's fluid. He runs well, but he's got to get a lot bigger and stronger. You know, he, he, he's you know, 165, 170 pounds right now. He's got to hit the weight room and, and get a lot bigger and a lot stronger. More immediately, you know, Karon Adams, the running back out of Ohio. You know, he's a kid that Rutgers went out to a satellite camp, or whatever you want to call it, at Ohio State and saw them perform and, and really liked what they saw and, and recruited them hard. And Chris Ash has a really good relationship with the coaching staff at Warren G. Harding just from his days, you know, Wisconsin, Ohio State and everything. And I think at his size, he can come in and play pretty quickly. You know, I, I think he's a kid that can come in and get reps as a freshman. As long as you do the right things as a running back, and you can pick up the blitz and good in pass protection. And you understand that not to try to make every run a 50-yard run, and sometimes you're going to have to take two and three yards. 
those are the small things that that you really look at as far as recruiting and how quick a running back can play. And you know, watching Connor Greco, he impressed me. Um, I I seen him before and I liked what I saw, but watching him play live against Brian Fitzpatrick, he ran a lot better than I thought. He was a lot quicker than I thought, and he was a lot more physical than I thought he would be. Now he's thin, you know. He's got a thin frame, you know, six three, about two hundred. I think he's a kid that if they wanted to, eventually they could move him down to linebacker. But he ran well enough in the secondary to be able to play in zone. The question is, can he open his hips and cover man in a defense? And so, you know, those are those are things I really look at in terms of how quickly can can he play. And then, you know, I really like C.J. Hansen, the offensive lineman out of St. John Vianney. He moves well. He's athletic, but it's not easy for offensive linemen to come in and play quickly. And when they do, it usually means that your offensive line unit isn't healthy. Now, you know, the staff, this class, and and the previous ones, they've focused on in-state. You know, eight of the 13 commits so far in this class coming from New Jersey. And obviously, you know, there's all the talk about how important it is for the staff to keep the top uh, top Jersey talent uh, at home at Rutgers, you know, with who they have committed, how do you think they've done in keeping that top talent home? How do you think they've done in you know, keeping it uh, in the Garden State? Well, look, I mean, when you're talking a top talent in New Jersey, nobody's ever kept it home, not even Chiano. I mean, you know, toward the end, he had maybe a class or two where he got a couple of the top 10 kids, but usually they all leave. So what you need to do is you need to get the 11 through 20s. Um, th- those are the keys to get. And, you know, they, they've, in the past, they've struggled with that a little bit. Now, you know, the linebacker out of Pleasantville, Mohamed Ture, I, I like him a lot. I think he's really underrated. I think if he played in North Jersey, he would have been a 20-offer kid. But, you know, a lot of schools aren't going to go down to Pleasantville in South Jersey and recruit one kid. It, it wastes a day if you're in that area program going to recruit him. Um, you're much better served with going to North Jersey where you can go visit 40 prospects in a day. Um, but I, I think it's something they have to continue to develop. I think, you know, I, I, I cover a lot of recruiting in, in a lot of different areas, and New Jersey is unlike any other place. Whereas in New Jersey, and I've said this before, if Rutgers doesn't offer a kid, the coach is calling up complaining, why don't you offer my kid? I can't believe the state school hasn't offered my kid. And then when Rutgers is the first or second one to offer, the first thing the coaches are doing is <laughs> calling up other schools going, hey, Rutgers offered, about time you guys jump in on them. And there is, there is very little um, allegiance from the majority of high school coaches when it comes to Rutgers, so you're fighting that battle. I think one of the things you're also seeing, for those that follow recruiting closely, they've started offering more junior college players. They're offering some defensive linemen from outside of the area. And at some point, I get you want to recruit Jersey really hard, but if they're not showing you the love back and you're not getting the talent that you want back, you shouldn't just settle for kids. Go out and find them somewhere else. There's, there's, good, there's enough good kids out there for Rutgers to get. They just have to find them. You know, I want to talk about some of the uncommitted guys now, and I know a lot of fans would love to see uh, running back Aaron Young uh, ultimately commit to Rutgers. Obviously, he's the brother of cornerback Avery Young. He took an unofficial to Penn State for the whiteout against Ohio State. Just where, what are you hearing about where he stands after the visit and where Rutger, and where Rutgers kind of stands with him? Yeah, I, I spoke to him Sunday night, and, you know, I, I've known him for, I don't know, two, three years now. 
I remember when his brother, who's at Old Dominion, went through the process long ago. Great family, great kids. And I think he's really confused. You know, this is a kid that had hoped to decide by the end of the summer. And I think if Penn State did not offer, he would have been committed to Rutgers before the season. And now Penn State's kind of chipping along at it and saying, hey, come come here, come jump into the, the you know, our running back rotation. They have a great depth at running back there. They do a really good job of recruiting running backs with that system. And when you go to a game like the Ohio State game and there's 110,000 people, and it doesn't matter who wins or whatever, fans get caught up in that in individual games. But when you get to a situation like that and, and you're part of that atmosphere and then they're telling you they want you, it makes it a lot harder of a decision. And, and speaking with him, I think he's on the fence. I think it could go either way. And and I think there's some confusion on his part on what to do. And, and not confusion in a bad way. I mean, he's a 17, 18-year-old kid trying to make a life decision in the public eye. That, that's not easy. And if it was easy, he would have made his decision. And I know Avery Young, his brother, who's a freshman corner at Rutgers, loves Rutgers. You, you see him tweeting about, you know, keep supporting us. We're going to get this thing turned around. Don't bail on us. Things like that. And and so it not only tells you that Avery's on board with what's going on at Rutgers, but so is the family. There's an interesting dynamic working there. You know, another guy who's uncommitted, uh, Malachi Burby, he was also at the Penn State whiteout on, a, on an unofficial visit. He recently announced, you know, after the fact that he scheduled his Rutgers official. It'll take place in a couple of weeks. Do you see Rutgers as kind of the favorite to land him? You know, where does he stand after his most recent visits? Yeah, I mean, Rutgers is the favorite to land him. I and mean, Rutgers is recruiting him the hardest. He went to the Penn State whiteout, but he doesn't have an offer from Penn State. Penn State's also doing really well with a lot of other defensive linemen who have been offered and who are on campus for the whiteout. Um you know, and, and including a couple names familiar to Rutgers fans, you know, Adisa Isaac out of Brooklyn and Jared Harrison Hunt out of Queens. You know, both of those, in my eyes, are heavy Penn State leans. So, you know, then you're looking at Burby. I, I don't think Penn State's really in the equation with Burby. Um, again, they haven't offered. I think if he comes to Rutgers, now when he made his unofficial visit last month for a game, he did not get to spend much time, if any, with uh, Coach Chris Ash. I, I was told he did not really get the chance to talk to him much. And, you know, the game didn't go how they wanted to. I think it was the Buffalo game. So you understand why the staff is doing some other things after. But he, he still met with the assistant coaches. So getting him back down for the Northwestern game on an official visit will allow him to be around the program more and it will allow the coaches and the players to be around him more. And it will give a better indication of where things stand. I think, you know, if everything goes, the way you anticipate it would. I think Rutgers is in great shape to land them, and maybe it happens at the end of that visit. But, um, you know, until that happens, until he gets down there and makes the visit, you kind of just have to wait and see how it plays out. You know, what's good about him is he'd fill a need, obviously, on the defensive line. And I think that's one spot where, where Coach Ash and his staff had, have had some trouble recruiting impact talent. You know, why do you think they've struggled getting commitments on the defensive line over his time here? You know, why do you think that they just they haven't been able to get the pledges of, you know, that top tier defensive lineman? Because there's not enough of them. I mean, there's, it's the hardest position to recruit right now because there just isn't enough of them. And so the top ones are going to go to the top 10 or 15 programs. And there's not a lot of um, people behind that. There's not a lot of depth at the position. It's not an easy position to recruit. I know people complain. You know, I always look at it this way. There's a lot of times where you take a DN to 
he's going to turn into a defensive tackle. You take a, a big, long linebacker because you think you can grow him into a defensive end. And I think that's part of the thing. I think they had some good defensive linemen in the program, so they weren't going to be able to promise really quick playing time. Um, you know, a, a lot of factors into it, but I, I think the biggest factor is there's just not a lot of those players around. You know, I mean, it, it's not it's not Rutgers is the only one struggling to recruit guys on the line of scrimmage. I mean, it it, it goes, you know, it, it hits a lot of programs, and it's compounded at Rutgers because their linebackers just are not playing well. And, you know, looking at, I guess, just the 2019 class now, Rutgers was in on some guys that committed elsewhere, both offensively and defensively. Who are some of the guys, I guess, the Scarlet Knights have stayed on that you could foresee, you know, possibly flipping their commitment to Coach Ash, or you could foresee, you know, Coach Ash really pushing to, you know, get them on board with the program? Yeah, I mean, I think that was an easier question to answer a month ago. <laughs> um, it's like it's like what well, it's like what you said. I mean, you know, it's one you're one in four, and it hasn't gone the way you want it to. And so, the people that maybe they were involved with before, maybe you know, it's not as easy to go back to them. And maybe it is. I mean, I I look at a guy I know people, you know, at least with twenty four seven sports and and with Scarlet Nation know about Yusef Terry, the receiver out of Philadelphia, Imitep, he's committed to Baylor, committed without really going down there. Then you get, you know, Baylor gets hit with a what notice of allegations again. And so there'll be an opportunity there to go in and make a pitch if you're Rutgers. You know, when it came down to it, it was pretty much Rutgers and Baylor that, that he was looking at. He's really good friends with uh, Blackshear, the, the Rutgers running back. You know, at one time I remember seeing Yusef on campus, and I'm like, "Yo, you have your own key here, or what?" <laughs> you'd been there so much, and there was a there was a feeling at one point that he was going to wind up at Rutgers, and so I, I still keep my eye on that and and see what happens there. And I think that's one guy to look at because you know, the other thing is when you look at it, this offense needs playmakers. You, you've got to have guys that can get separation and and who can really um, make things easier for your quarterback and kind of loosen things up in the running game because. They don't really have that guy that can turn a five-yard play into a 50-yard play, and you know we haven't seen him really stretch the field much. And that goes back to the you know they they just need better receivers. And in terms of guys who are you know uncommitted, we talked about Burby, we talked about you know Aaron Young. Are there any other guys that are kind of on the radar that you could see you know the Scarlet Knights going hard after, potentially even you know committing to Rutgers in the near future? There's a couple kids you look at. You look at you know what's going to happen with Brian Ugwu. At a hillside, he's a he's an outside linebacker, kind of DN type that I talked about before, where he does have the size to grow into a DN. There were a few schools that were recruiting him there, including Pittsburgh. But you know, just our, our guy Sean Brown spoke to uh, Ogwu on Friday night, and he said, "Well, right now he's talking mostly to Minnesota and Rutgers." Ogwu's sister goes to Rutgers. Um, I, I don't know if Minnesota's going to have room for him when you look at their recruiting class. Muhammad Kamara at a North Central is a safety linebacker type who I know likes Rutgers a lot, and he's going to try to get down to campus last week. He didn't make it, but they still remain with him. You know, and then one thing for people to pay attention to is start watching the JUCOs, man. They, they offered a kid out of Monroe in New Rochelle, you know, Monroe Community College. They offered a kid out of Arizona Western, a cornerback. Um, there's going to be some more offers to junior college players because, I know when Chris Ash got there, he did not want to go to junior college route because he wanted to get guys into the program. But 
you know, I give him credit because one thing we've seen with him when it comes to recruiting and how he's done things, he's always been willing to adjust and was going out and, and looking heavily at JUCOs now. Um, it's another adjustment by them and a, and a recognition that they need some playmakers into the program that can contribute quickly. A couple more, Brian, before we let you go. Yeah. You know, 2018 was the first time the early signing period was instituted, and Rutgers, as really as well as many other programs, they locked in a large portion of their class because of that early signing period. How has that whole dynamic kind of changed recruiting, and do you believe that it will continue, that schools will just get a majority of their commits signed in December before, you know, February? Yeah, I think they will because, well, two things. I, I don't really like the period because, you have kids, if, if you're taking a kid in New Jersey or Pennsylvania, right, and you're allowed five official visits, well, you can't really take a lot of them during the weekends. I mean, you, you look at, you know, some of the North Jersey Catholic schools that play a lot of Saturday games. Well, if they're going deep into the playoffs, they're not done playing until about December 10th. So once that happens, you, and then you're going to ask a kid to sign a week later, he can't make a lot of official visits. Then what happens is, okay, let's say he's committed or he's close to committing, and they say, all right, you're going to sign with us on December, whatever the date is this year, 18th, 20th, whatever. And the kid says, well, I haven't made visits. I, I need to wait and see. We're going to say, okay, we're going to go sign somebody else who's willing to sign. And so it can shut him out. And it, it really – so you have that aspect of it, and then you have the other aspect of it. You know, I, I looked at last year, uh, Javante Jean-Baptiste at a Bergen Catholic I mean, he was close to signing with Virginia Tech during the early period. Early period comes and goes. Schools refocus on what they still need to finish out the class. And all of a sudden, it's Nebraska and Ohio State pushing really hard. And the kid winds up going to Ohio State. Matt Alamo was committed to Pittsburgh out of St. Joe's Montvale and decided, I'm not signing with them early. He's now at UCLA and, and Auburn and Texas A&M were also heavily in the mix. So... If you're a kid and you see that, you may say, you know what, I think I'm going to wait a little bit, and maybe one of these you know, top 15 schools is going to come knocking at my door if I wait. But if you're another school like Pittsburgh or Rutgers or Syracuse, you're saying, well, hey, we need you on board now because if you don't sign early, the chance for those schools to land the kid may diminish. It's a really complex issue, and it's something I really don't like, and it's kind of why schools now make official, you know, why the NCAA said you can make official visits in the spring, but then you turn around and you say, okay, you're going to make official visits in the spring. Well, you know, Rutgers used to recruit Florida. All of a sudden, and they're back in there a little bit, but okay, let's say some kid in May wants to come up to Rutgers on an official visit. If you're Rutgers, why are you going to bring him up on an official visit in May knowing he can't sign for another, you know, 10 months or, or seven months? And so now you lose the ability to get the official visit at the end of it. So it's, it's a really complex thing, and I, and I hope there's some tweaks to it. Last one, Brian, before I let you go. You know, I want to look ahead to 2020. Obviously, a lot of highly ranked Jersey guys, fans have their eyes on Jalen Berger, Jordan Moran, among others. Do you believe that Rutgers has a legitimate shot at the top in-state talent next year? As far as guys like Jalen Berger and Jordan Moran, you know, and for that matter, anybody in the 2020 class, I, I think a lot depends on how this season ends, what's the narrative in the off season, and, you know, do they show improvement? Because, you know, you may be one and four now. If you finish three and nine, but you start playing better and you're giving some of those teams in November a run for their money, well, then the narrative changes. And, and it gives Rutgers the ability to 
speak to those prospects in a different way. And it may put, you know, something different in the minds of those players. So, I mean, to, to talk about where 2020 is and with the elite guys or even without the elite guys, there's so many other things that have to get answered before we get to that point. You can follow him on Twitter at Brian Doan247. Brian, thanks so much for coming on. Obviously recruiting, a lot to digest there, but thanks so much for giving us your input on Rutgers recruiting. Thanks for coming on. Hey, man, I really appreciate you having me on. Time to make some bets. Here's your host, Lance Glenn. Sports betting is legal in the country and is already up and running in New Jersey, among other states. To talk about this week's line and to give his pick on the Rutgers-Illinois game, I am now pleased to be joined by Poker Pro and On the Banks contributor TJ Yurkevich. TJ, thanks so thanks so much for coming on again this week. No problem, Lance. So, TJ, let's get right to it. The line opened with the Fighting Illini one and a half point favorites coming into High Point dot uh, com stadium, and now it's ballooned up to Illinois as four point favorites. What was your initial reaction when you first saw the line open up at one and a half, and why do you think right now it's ballooned up to four points? Uh. I think if Illinois wasn't coming off such a long bye week, I think they haven't played a game since September 21st when they lost to Penn State. I think the line probably would have been Rutgers as a favorite, but considering you know all the additional rest time, the one and a half Illinois favored makes sense. And uh, you know, there's just a lot of people that are going against Rutgers right now. I think they've caught up a little bit on the scores, seen the scores, and how they're losing and you know there's a lot of money coming in on illinois hence the line move up to four now you know rutgers and illinois in similar situations uh chris ash lovey smith obviously both trying to rebuild programs just kind of what's your impression though of how lovey smith has rebuilt this program what's your impression overall of, of the fighting illini actually i think they're going uh in a more positive direction than rutgers right now actually uh you know, coming off the bye, it's going to be a very tough game. Uh, they have some quarterback injury issues, but I think, you know, with the additional rest, uh, they'll be able to start the starter, A.J. Bush. For people wondering where to put their money this weekend, what would you advise them to do? I'm going to go ahead and sip the Kool-Aid of what I was watching in the second half last week. Rutgers actually showed some signs of life, and uh, I'm going to go ahead, and I think this is going to be a close game in either way. And when that happens, I'd rather have the points, so I'm going to take Rutgers at home. Plus four, God help me. TJ, choosing Rutgers at home to win. TJ, thanks so much for coming on. Look forward to doing it again next week. Follow SB Nation on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation, and you can find out when our next podcast is debuting.